Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Did I hear loud? Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight, uh, I, I want you to pay very close attention because we are doing a theology series. And it's important because we're going to read a lot of scriptures. We're going to compare a couple of notes. And over these Wednesdays, we're going to go through this series. And, and I call this Seeing Christ in the Old Testament Scriptures. Seeing Christ in the Old Testament Scriptures. Or in the Old Testament. Let's put it like that. Christ is man's greatest treasure. Okay? Without him, the Bible would just be a skeleton. Alright? He is the aim. He is the fabric of both the Old and the New Testament. Many times, as Christians... We really don't know what to do with the Old Testament. Because when we start reading the Old Testament and we get to Leviticus, you know, we read about all the bloody sacrifice two turtle doves, one pigeon, one ram, seven goats. You know, it doesn't make meaning to us. Or we get to the Old Testament to look for fiery scriptures for our enemies. Alright? So many times believers don't know, really know how to handle the, the Old Testament. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, even preachers haven't handled it very well. Now, Jesus, pay very close attention to this, is the central focus of the inspired scriptures. Jesus is the central focus of the inspired scriptures. Go to Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. We're going to read some familiar verses of scripture we've done before, but we're going to pay very close attention. So go to Second Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 15. I, I want us to, if you look at Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, if you read from the King James Version or the New King James Version, all right? Uh, it says, now, pay very close attention, because this is important. The word scripture, the, the word scripture is the Greek word graphe. Alright? The word scripture is the Greek word graphe. Uh, that's where we get our English word graphics. So, actually, the word scripture means writing. Okay? The word scriptures means writing. So, for instance, if you read the New King James Version, it says, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, pay close attention to this. Why he uses the word Holy Scriptures is because it's referring now to the Word of God. 
That's what now, when you read this, it says, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Alright? Now, next verse, verse 16 says, uh, all Scripture, which is, now it says, Holy Scriptures. Right? So it's now referring to that holy writing, that all Scriptures is given by the inspiration of God, which means it's God-breathed. Alright? And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, if you go to the New American Standard Bible, verses, 16, verses 15 uses the word, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Now, I need you to pay attention to this because as we read on the New Testament, you're going to see the reference to the word scriptures. Now, whenever you see in the New Testament the reference to the word scriptures, it is not referring to the whole Bible. It's referring to the Old Testament. Because as of that time, they did not have the New Testament. Are we clear on that? Alright. So, you see that the New American Standard Bible uses the word sacred what? Writing. So, the word scripture just means writings. So, holy scriptures means holy word, writings. Are we clear on that? Alright. Now, it is important for you to understand, go to verse 16 now, the Bible says, and all scripture is inspired by God. Now, the word inspired by God is the Greek word theo. It means to, let me save you the Greek word now. It means to be God-breathed, which means that God breathed upon men and inspired them to write it. Now, pay close attention to this, which means that I, uh, um, I and my wife were, were different personalities, all right? Um, I'm the outgoing, you know, scatter the place, let people know you are alive kind of person. Alright? She's the quiet, walk for the background kind of person. Now, if both of us are inspired by God, we preach differently. Right? But at least what we preach is from the word of God and he blesses lives. Right? She will not do, is the Greek word this? Is it, no, she's got just beautiful stories. She can just tell you, oh, there was one man. The man just went here. And then she brings her point. Now, but our preaching is inspired by the Spirit of God. Now, what that means is that although the Scriptures is God-inspired, you would see the human personalities, their culture, their way of writing, all right, might be a little bit different, but they are all what? Inspired by the Lord. Is that fine? All right. So, for instance, when you read the writings of Paul, it is very logical, very, very argumentative. It, it, it goes, he, Paul argues his points because of his scholastic um, thinking. You know, so you see Paul arguing his points. So you could read Galatians, you could see he was arguing for this and against this, and he brings this and he brings this. So you could see that. All right, God inspired. Okay. So if we look at the scripture like of a, a rose flower, right? If we would have a picture of a rose flower. The law of Moses is the rose in the budding stage. It's like the rose is just starting to board. The prophets and the writings show the rose beginning to open up. The gospels is the flower that is now quite open. The epistles is the full-blown flower with all the details and the pattern. Sometimes we look at the petal, we look at one of those rose flowers and we get carried away. But one of those petals don't make a rose flower. Do you understand the example? 
I mean, imagine you married a very beautiful wife. And then you just came home one day and you hid your hand like this. And you know, maybe your wife has watched a lot of movies. And she knows when you ring the doorbell with your mouth and you hide your hand like this. It's rose flower trying to come. And maybe she even just faints a few minutes before you open the door expecting the rose flower. And then you just bring out one petal and ba bam. Is there a tendency you might get slapped? <laughs> Do you understand? Because a petal of rose, as beautiful as it is, as gorgeous as it is, is not what? It's not the complete rose. So, the scriptures, and you've got to pay attention to that, because people try to formulate doctrines from just one verse of the Bible, or from just one part of the Bible. Anything that cannot be proven in both the Old and the New Testament cannot form a doctrine. Okay? And that's why, for instance, when people talk about the redemption of the firstborn, you cannot substantiate that doctrine in the New Testament. And it's because of wrong interpretation of the old that gives birth to that. Let me tell you, a scripture wrongly interpreted will give birth to a wrong doctrine. That's why the key is proper interpretation of scriptures. Are we still together? Are you still here? Alright, so let's go to Luke 24. Go to Luke 24. Now, we, we just want to use today to lay a couple of foundations. And we'll pick it up from there next Wednesday. So, always remember, the purpose of scripture is to reveal, not to conceal truth. The purpose of scripture is to reveal not to conceal. Let, let me explain that. Scriptures was not written to hide truth. Scripture was written to do what? Let me, let me look for something here. Alright. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, quickly, verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if you have, in, if you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. Verse 3. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. Four, verse 4. By referring to this, when you read, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So, why did Paul write? So they can do what? Now, no. Paul wrote so they can read. And understand. Without reading, there is no understanding. Yeah. So Paul did not just write so they can understand. Right? He wrote, they read, so they can understand. So, a, scriptures is not supposed to be, you, you are not supposed to be listening to a preacher and getting more confused. And he will say, this thing is, it will take you 10 years. No, 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 no. No. The essence of preaching 
is understanding. You see, it is not pride. I don't know what it is. It's actually ignorance to stand on the pulpit and keep saying, this is a mystery. You will not get it. It's a mystery. No. The scriptures was written to be understood. Be clear on that. Are Are you following what I'm saying? Nothing in the Christian faith is supposed to be so mysterious that it's only the preacher that understands why it's working. Paul says, this mystery, I am writing to you, I wrote it briefly to you before, but I'm writing it to you so that when you read, you can understand my insight. And I've told you, the word mystery is, um, or revelation, is the Greek word apocalypsis. Apocalypsis means to take away the veil, just to remove the veil. Alright, so this is my iPad. Alright, this is covered. Now, nothing special about the white handkerchief, that's just what I saw today. Okay? Now, this is covered. Now, when I say revelation, which is the Greek word apocalypsis, it means to remove the cover. Pay attention to this. Which means that if a minister says he's coming with a deeper revelation, he's actually supposed to remove a deeper cover. So you can understand it. If the depth of the revelation is making you confused, and you're just shouting deeper, go deeper, Papa, go deeper. No, no, no. Both of you are now confused because revelation, you know, the scripture says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what the Lord has prepared for those, right? But what was the next verse? But now is what? It's being revealed, apocalypsis again, being unveiled by what? By the Holy Spirit. So, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He says, when he comes, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Teach you what? How many truths? That means it's possible for the believer to learn all truths. So the Holy Spirit is not the agent of confusion. The Holy Spirit is the agent of revelation. Are we still together? Okay, so that's just by the way. Now go to Luke 24. Now, in Luke 24, we've dealt with this scripture before. I don't know which message we, we talked about this. Was it for this course or understanding the kingdom? I think we've dealt with it. But if you go to Luke 24, you know the story, right? Or the road to Emmaus. Uh, the disciples were going. That was the day of the resurrection. And news had come that the body of Jesus was not found. Okay? And, 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 um, and the disciples were disheartened. They were sad. All their hope. Because you must understand, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Praise God. They were waiting for the Messiah. Let's read so that I can lay foundation. Go to verse, so you know the story. That's what I was trying to tell you all of that, right? Um, So Jesus, interesting, they were talking about Jesus. So Jesus joined himself to them on the journey, right? Jesus joined himself to them. So I was listening to their gossip. Uh, so let's read from verse 19 it's interesting he says and he said to them what things you know like what are you guys talking about and he said to him the things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a prophet mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him but we were hoping pay attention to that right that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. 
Indeed, beside all this, it is the third day since these things happened. So they were hoping. Why were they hoping? We'll talk about that. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. And he didn't, and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Uh, I don't know if I would have the time, but you realize one of the reasons that Jesus actually ministered a lot to women and allowed the resurrection or uh, the, 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 the women to bring the good news was the fact that the testimony of women were not. Uh, very substantiated in the Jewish culture. That's why Paul talked about keeping quiet, right? For the disciples to stake their lives on what women said, <laughs> it was really true. Are you hearing that? It was really true. So this was very intentional against the Jewish culture. That's why, you see, when that woman was caught in adultery, the man was not brought. You know one person can commit adultery. Okay. And some of you are still like that today. Some of, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. So they needed to reconfirm. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, All foolish men. All foolish men. Now, this is the discourse. And slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory. This is not our emphasis today, but verse 27 says, Then beginning with Moses, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in how many of scriptures? So all of scriptures talked about Jesus. And they were to use all of scriptures to be able to know that Jesus would rise again. So what Jesus was telling them that, listen, the prophets documented this. Now I want you to observe the word beginning with Moses. Uh, go to... The Good News translation says, And Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scripture, beginning with the books of, of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. Now, I've always told you, the way you interpret scripture is allow scripture to interpret scripture. Let's just look at that phrase, beginning with Moses. What does it mean? Go to 2 Corinthians. Paul will explain that to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. Pay close attention now, because it says, beginning with Moses. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 14. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, pay close attention. Pay attention to details. At the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because it is removed in Christ. Which means that the old covenant is veiled, is covered. So if we, if we want to understand the old covenant, in Christ the veil is removed. Now, what is the old covenant? Next verse, verse 15. It now says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read... 
So what's Moses there? The old covenant. The old testament. The law. So when he says beginning at Moses. He wasn't talking about the man Moses. He was talking about from the old covenant. From the writings of Moses. From the first writings of Moses. To the prophets. They all talk about Christ. So he says. But to this day. Whenever Moses is read. A veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, what happens to the veil? It's taken away. Which means that it is in Christ we find the light of the old covenant. So you understand what Moses is now? You understand what Moses is now? Even till today, when some preachers read Moses, the veil is still there because they are not turned to Christ. That's why people prefer the God of Elijah to Jesus that died. That will look fearsome. You know, it's very interesting. We like the God of the Old Testament to judge our enemies. And then we like the God of the New Testament to forgive our sins. You know that, right? So, when you sin, you say we are under grace. When they sin against you, you say, listen, I believe in the Bible. Both old and new. I'm going to... You know, we like the judgment of the God of the Old Testament on our enemies. And the love of the New Testament God on ourselves. So we've understood that, right? We've understood that. Now, if the Old Testament is properly understood, it's read, if the Old Testament is to be properly understood, it has to be read with a Christ-centered perspective. That means you've got to see the Old Testament from Christ. Christ reveals to us what the Old Testament. Alright, now go to Luke 24 again. Now, we're looking at verse 44. Luke 24, 44. Now he said to them, uh, Okay, so we stopped at verse 27, right? So he explained to them the things concerning himself in all of scriptures. Okay, go to verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was with you, and that all things which are written about me, in the what? Law of what? Moses. So you see that right now. Alright? The same thing Paul said. Talking about Moses. The same thing here. And the prophets. Now, you now realize he added one more dimension. What was that dimension? The Psalms. So the, 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 the law of Moses, or Moses, speaks of the first five books, right? The prophet speaks of the prophetic scriptures. The Psalms speaks of what? The literal, the literal scriptures. Okay? The literature scriptures. They all reveal Psalms. They all reveal Christ. When you read Songs of Solomon, it's not just for wedding card. You know, we only go to Songs of Solomon to collect wedding card uh, line. And then we throw it away. No, it, it, it actually speaks to us about our union with Christ. Eh? His banner over me is love. It's not just full gospel businessmen anthem. Are, are you following that? Okay, but let's leave that. Then, verse 45. I want you to observe something. The scripture says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, now I want you to pick something. It wasn't their spirit he opened. It was their mind. Now, the opening of mind comes by proper explanation. 
Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, uh, listen, I want you to pick something. It was not just because it was Jesus' teaching, so they understood. No. The Bible says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead. Praise the name of the Lord. Be, uh, uh, from the dead, what? The third day. So, the opening of your mind is the explanation of scriptures. So, what that means is that Jesus on this journey literally quoted the Old Testament and referenced himself until they finally understood what happened. So, the opening of mind is not just a spiritual thing as it were. It is also what? Uh, a, a, a proper explanation of scriptures. That is why you see that when scripture is properly explained, by the time you leave the service, your mind is open. You understand. You comprehend. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay? So, we have the Lord Moses, the prophet, and the sons. And Jesus says that all these things were written about me. Okay? Now, um, Verse 45, we read verse 45. He opened their minds to comprehend scriptures. Alright, now go to verse 32. Still Luke 24. Go to verse 32. Verse 32 says, They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? Now, if we stop there, we would think that the burning of heart was what it meant by the opening of their minds. But he goes on to say, while he was doing what? I didn't hear that. While he was doing what? Explaining the scriptures to us. So, what Jesus did to them was that Jesus explained the scriptures. Now, remember, when we mean scriptures, what was Jesus explaining? The Old Testament. So on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus joined himself to them, he now started explaining the Old Testament to them. And as he was explaining the Old Testament to them, they are hard born within them. Are you following this now? Pay attention now. Are you following this? So the explanation of scripture was what Jesus did. So it means that in whatever hour they walked, Jesus took time to explain scriptures to them. Praise God. Are you still here? Now, go to John 1.45. John 1.45. I just want to show you how the New Testament relies very strongly on the old and why we should search the old to find life, to find Christ. And not just see the Old Testament as discarded scripture that we can't understand. John 1.45 Now, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. Who is the him here? Jesus, of whom Moses in the law, and also the prophet wrote. 
So what that tells us is that Moses in the law and the prophet wrote about what? Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, how did they know that Jesus was the Messiah? It was because of what they read in the prophets and in the law. That is why when Jesus declared his mission from that day in the temple, in Luke chapter 4, he read the book of Isaiah. So when he opened Isaiah, he saw himself in Isaiah and said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Which means that when Isaiah was writing that scripture hundreds of years ago, right? He was writing about who? Jesus. So that means, pay close attention to this, that actually... A student of the Bible should be able to understand Jesus if he did not read the New Testament. But you know what? It will take diligent study. Because Jesus is hidden in all of the Old Testament. And you know, when I say Jesus in the Bible, I'm not saying in, uh, in biology, he's the air of life. In chemistry, he's the acid we drink. In, uh, in uh, agriculture, he's the tree of life. That's not what I'm talking about. In zoology, he's the animal park. That, that's not what I'm talking about, right? That's what I'm talking about. Some of this good stuff. Talk about real stuff here. Okay? Now, to study the Old Testament and miss Christ is to miss the consciously intended meaning of the Old Testament. Go to John 5.39. Let's see something Jesus said to them in John 5.39. And, and this is interesting, right? You know something that why it's difficult for us to engage this in the body of Christ is that it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of mind work. It takes a lot of reading through scriptures. You search the scriptures. Remember what's the scriptures? The Old Testament. Are we, are, we, are we good on that? You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. So what did the scriptures do? They testified about Jesus. Now pay attention to what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus was trying to tell the Jews that, listen, when you read the scriptures, they are supposed to lead you to me. I am here now. And you are rejecting me. You are searching the scriptures for life. You are searching the scriptures for redemption. This scripture, they testify of me. They talk about me. They witness about me. You know, it is funny sometimes how we read the Bible today and we take Jesus out. Eh? And so we can take the Bible and teach every other thing except Christ. The scripture testify of Christ. We can use it to teach every other thing. You know, I've also said it a lot of times. You know, sometimes when we teach marriage seminar in church, you know, and sometimes it's good, but, you know, we teach marriage seminars because we allow the world sometimes, marriage seminars are good, but we teach marriage seminars because, the way we teach them, because we allow the world to influence us. So you hear people say, marriage is not about spirituality. It's not spirituality. You know, and that's why sometimes good Christian girls now get, go, end up and marry cultists. Do you understand? Because they are just looking for the you know, the fanfare and all written. Scripture says the man should love his wife as Christ loved the church. 
Do you, under, do you know that if every man obeys that scripture, the first thing in obeying that scripture is that there is no condition for that love. Because that love starts from why you were yet sinners. Christ died for you. No, do you understand that? Wait, do you understand that? Which means that your wife can do no wrong. You know, when we teach marriage seminar, we start from submission. That submission, there is a submission before that submission. And that submission is that as brothers in Christ, we submit one to another as normal, responsible Christians. Then when you are now married your own husband, you now say, now submit to your own husband, which means that at first we have the normal Christian submission. Which wife submits to man, man submits to wife. Basic line. Then when you now marry, you now take it deeper. Your love becomes sacrificial, the submission becomes personalized. Now, you are looking for how to make bed. You are looking for how to light candle. You are looking for how to spray rose in the morning. And it's good. But you now understand that if you are a Christian, you can have a decent marriage. If you are a good Christian. Because all the little, is little things that make me angry. This is helping somebody. This is not Old Testament. This is not seeing Christ in Old Testament, but this is word of knowledge. All this is something very little that makes me angry. You know that there's an anger problem there. And you need the Lord Jesus. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, this is where I'm going. The believer, first of all, sees Christ in scriptures. So, let me give you an example. When you now encounter that type of scripture, you will now know that you need Christ to be able to walk in that kind of love. Can you see how that leads you back to Christ? Do you understand that now? You now say, listen, there's no way this woman offend me, I won't be angry. Help me, Lord. You now rely on Christ. Now, that scripture has led you to Christ, relying on Christ. Then the woman now says, I've made a mistake. How do I now submit myself to this man? Do you understand that? that, that stop now. What would that lead the woman to? To Christ. You can read all the books in this world. If they don't lead you to Christ, you can't obey the word. Are you following this now? So that's a side journey. Now, the scripture says, because you think that in them you have eternal life, it is this that testify about me. So I need you to pay attention to the fact that the scripture testify about Jesus. And he said, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So, the scriptures ought to lead us to Christ. So, every time we read the scriptures, what we should find is Jesus. Now, let's, let's go to a couple of scriptures now. Let's go to Romans 3.21. Paul was clear about this also. Romans 3.21. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. But now, from the law, from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Being witnessed by the law and what? And the prophets. So, the law and the prophet witness to the righteousness of God. So, what I want you to see is that when we read the law and the prophets, 
We see that they point us to Christ. They testify of Christ. So we're not just discarding the Old Testament. We're not just throwing away that's not relevant. No. It is on that foundation we can understand Christ. And the reason I'm teaching this series is I want you to appreciate the whole Bible. I want you to find joy in studying the word of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, go to Acts 26, 22. Romans, then go to Acts. Go back to Acts 26. And let's go to verse 22 and 23. So, having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great. Stating nothing. Paul was saying, he was talking to King Agrippa. Stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. Paul says, okay, now you are arresting me that I preached the gospel or I am causing Korea. He says, I didn't state anything. I just referenced what? The prophets and who? And Moses. You know who Moses is, right? The whole community. He says, that's, it was what they said was going to happen that I just stated. Now go to verse 23. That the Christ was to suffer. And that by the reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jews to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Why Paul was saying this in his defense? Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. So, <laughs> you know, you know, right? If you read this whole thing, Paul was defending himself before the king. And how was he doing it? He was pulling from Old Testament scripture. You pull from the law, pull from Moses, and say, Moses did this. The prophet said this. This one said it. Fairly say, most learning has made you mad. So it, did, it, it wasn't like Paul just had the mic and was just preaching and preaching and preaching. No, they will kill you. Because it was because of that preaching they brought you. So you have to show them logically from the Old Testament that this man you are calling the Messiah is truly the Messiah. And because of his defense, and I believe that that's one of the reasons God actually raised Paul. Yeah? Because, you know, the other disciples, they were fishermen, tax collectors. Right? I, I, I strongly believe there was a limit to what they can just say, listen, just believe. <laughs> you, know, you know, there are Christians like that. I don't know whether it's old. I don't know whether I see. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You know those kind of Christians don't find their trouble. They don't. They just believe. I just believe, as Papa have said, so shall it be unto me. I, I'm in the Mary's league. As you have spoken to me, better to see that believeth, for there shall be a performance. Those Christians don't defend the faith. They just enjoy the faith. Because why they believe what they believe, they don't know. The scripture that tells them to believe what they believe, they don't know. So, those ones are not defenders of the faith. They are enjoyers of the faith. But Christianity is perpetuated by men who can logically defend the faith. That is why even, go, even though God has called you to ministry, still go to the university. So that there is a place God can use you. Anointing is powerful, but you don't use anointing to defend the faith. 
You don't defend the faith by raising cripples. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's good. We're not against miracles. But you get my point. So Paul had to logically defend the faith. There are still some Jews, as we speak today, that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They are still waiting for the Messiah. And you have Pentecostals who will join them at the wailing wall, still wailing. Do you understand? <laughs> now, let's look at another writer. Let's, let's finish at. Go to Acts 3.18. I'll show you something here. Acts 3.18. You know the scripture says that the man of God must rightly divide the word of truth. Right? And how do you rightly divide the word of truth? Study. Huh? Come on. How do you rightly divide the word of truth? You study. You study to show yourself approved. So there is a calling of God. There is an approver that you work for. You pay the price. Which the price is study. It's not laying on of hands. It's not impartation. It's not I receive. You open the book. You read the book. You open the book. You read the book. You study. There is nobody that was born with revelation. Hmm? And that is why, permit my use of words, but that's why what we call revelation today sometimes is just nursery rhymes. You just hear somebody say, without, without a father, you don't have feathers. Say, hey, Jesus. Okay, what have you said now? <laughs> and I read something to my wife yesterday. Somebody posted big, I mean, heavy English. So I asked my wife, say, where is the scripture here? Ask you're just writing, I mean, you're just writing your head. And you know, that's what we call revelation. Is that not what we call revelation today? Mysterious things we don't understand. There has no explanation in scripture. And that's why you see that popular truths that trend in church are things that scriptures are not even very emphatical about. You will now hear something like destiny helper. How did that term come? How, do you understand that? Let's, I mean, you know, let's look at that. That 90% of our prayers are destiny helper. You know that we pray more for destiny helpers than the Holy Spirit to help us. Because that Holy Spirit, our helper, it does not make sense. Do you realize that? Let's be honest. When last did we spend time just praying that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of our understanding? That we may know Pauline prayer. No. If I say, let's pray for destiny help and I oh, you that looking like you want to sleep, you come up. <laughs> eh? Because, 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 because you have been made to believe that something is wrong with your life as you are. So you always go to church with a not enough mindset. You don't go to church with an in Christ mindset. Every time you come to church, and let me tell you, God and Mammon, Sunday will continue. All this prayer of destiny helper is money. What is it? Come on, what is it? It's money now. I mean, I mean, as we're sitting here now, if I write a check of 10 million to everybody here, 90% of your prayer request is finished. I mean, am I, am I, I mean, it's gone. You don't have, what, what will you pray about? There's nothing now. And so you just realize that if that is all Christianity is all about, that is why you now find out that when people have made it in church, they don't know what to serve God for again. Because all their life, that's what they were just waiting for. So they don't know how to behave anymore. Are you following this? 
So let's read. Acts 3.18. Verse 17. This was Peter now preaching on the day of Pentecost. Uh, sorry, when he healed the, the lame man and then all these people came. The second sermon. Verse 17 says, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand, observe that word, beforehand, right? By the mouth of how many of the prophets? All the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Did you see Peter's sermon? Peter said, what you are experiencing, what we are preaching, is what the prophet talked about beforehand. So, if you have read the prophets, you should understand what we are saying. Remember, they did not have the New Testament. So, we know from the scripture that the prophets announced, proclaimed, the word announced means to preach, announced, proclaimed beforehand, that Christ would suffer. Now, the sufferings of Christ are important. Because that's why Jesus referred to it. I talked about the sufferings of Christ and the glories that was to follow. So, the crucifixion and the resurrection. That, when you talk about the sufferings of Christ, you talk about the crucifixion and what? And the resurrection. So, the crucifixion and the resurrection are the hallmarks of Christianity. The sufferings of Christ and the glories that are to follow. Okay. So, it says, therefore, repent and turn, turn away from us. Okay, go to verse 21. It says, Whom heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets before from ancient time. So, he has spoken about this, alright, from ancient time. Let's just read. Moses said, we are going to deal with this maybe part two or part three. This is what Moses said. Now, when he said Moses said here, um, he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18, verse 15. Just write it down. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8, 18, 15, and verse 18. Now, when he said Moses said here, he was, not, he was not talking about the five books of Moses now. He was talking about the law. He was talking about a statement Moses made in this particular place. So he says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. Now pay very close attention to this. Moses was trying to tell them that for you to identify the Christ, the prophet that is going to, uh, God is going to raise from among your brethren is going to be like me. So from my life and from my journey, you can use that template to identify the prophets. Remember, many prophets were going to come that they were the Christ. So we're going to study Moses. Because Moses said, the prophet like unto me shall God raise. So we'll study Moses and see how Moses tallies with Christ. Because for them, they had to look at that prophetic pattern of Moses and use it to identify the Christ. Remember, they did not have the New Testament. Okay. Alright. So let's go to uh, chapter 17. Acts 17. Two to three. Are you still here? Are you enjoying this? Alright. Uh, Acts 17, let's read from verse 1. 
Now, when they had traveled to Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. I praise God. You know, today my son was reading, uh, I don't know what scripture I was reading, I think Acts chapter 16. So he came to me, that, ah, he saw something there that he wants to ask me. I said, what is it? He said he was reading and he discovered that um, they, they, they went to the, by the riverside. You know, so does it mean that the house they were staying were close to the riverside? I said, yes, most likely. You know, you can read that now and use that to believe God for a beach house. Do you understand? See, even in the Bible, they stay close to the beach. <laughs> it's interesting because I just remembered. But, but you know that somehow in a way, that's how we read the scriptures. Right, because that, I mean, there's nothing wrong in believing God for a good house. But I'm just saying that if I, if I probably was reading that place, I would not see that they were staying close to the river. That would, that's not what's going to strike my mind. I'll be looking for something else. Alright, so Acts 17. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths, pay attention to this word, reasoned with them from the scriptures. Can I get another translation? I haven't really checked this out, but let's try it. Uh, let's check New Living Translation. And let me see what it says. I, I like that. I like that. It says, and for three Sabbaths in a row, that means for three weekends in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. Did you see how he did it? He didn't just go preach to them. He used the scriptures to do what? To reason with the people. And I like that. Alright. So according to Paul's custom. So he had a nature like that. That was his custom. That was his habit. Believers should have the habit of reasoning the scriptures. Believers should have the habit of showing up in church. Okay. And according to Paul's custom. He went to them and for three Sabbaths. Reasoned with them from the scriptures. Verse 3. It gives us how that reasoning happened. How did it happen? Come on everybody. I didn't hear you. How did that reasoning happen? So, pay attention. Pay attention to this. Reasoning, reasoning for the believer is not just, you know, just sit down. Philippians about to say, I'm reasoning that this scripture will mean... No, 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 that's not reasoning. Right? Reasoning means that you are comparing scriptures with scriptures. Reasoning is not just your mind. You know, because I'm, you know, I'm reasoning this thing like this. No, you can't, how can you reason it like that? This Bible is an ancient book. Huh? So, reasoning scriptures, what will it imply? Explaining and giving what? Giving what? Where will this evidence come from? From scriptures. Because Paul is not going to now go to the tomb of Jesus and bring one stone and try to get the skull of Jesus. He's not going to do that. He didn't have that evidence. So, his explanation and the giving of evidence is going to come from where? Now, that scripture would be what? The Old Testament. So let me give you a simple test of your Bible literacy. If I say take out the New Testament completely. Take out, you know, I've explained that, but let me just leave that. Take out from Matthew to Revelation. And I give you only the Old Testament. And I say explain Christ to someone for the Old Testament. Where do you think you will go first? Unto us, a son shall be born. Christmas carol. You know that Christmas had made us to like Isaiah. At least that's the one that's very straight. Eh? Explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again. Please observe. 
they always talk about the sufferings of Christ. Please observe that. Isaiah talked about it. That he was mad beyond recognition. The Psalms talks about it. Right? Now, uh, let me see how I can get, rush this quickly. But you must understand that, listen, the, the prophets and the Psalms and Moses had to talk about the suffering because the crucifixion was key to identifying the Messiah. Are you, are you following this? So pay attention to this, Kevin. When you talk about the sufferings of Christ, he's not talking about we believers suffering. He's talking about what? The crucifixion. And what? And, you know, rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. Now, the word Christ, pay attention to that, when he said, this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. Now, the word Christ is important because... Christ is the Messiah. Okay? Christ is the Messiah. So it was important that he identified that Christ is the Messiah. John 141, quickly. John 141. Go to John 141. We'll come back here. Remember, he uses the word the Christ. Definite. John 141. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means what? Christ. So pay attention to this. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means he is the Messiah. So what you look for in the Old Testament is the Messiah. Because Christ is a translation of what? The Messiah. Are we, are, we, are we there? So it's not his last name. Okay. And you know why he was called Jesus, right? I've told you that in, 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 for this course. Go back and listen to it again. For he shall save his people from his sins. Yeah? That's why he was called Jesus. He shall save his people from his sins. The Messiah. So you must realize that that name was connected to his destiny. Praise God. Alright. So, uh, let's, let's do... What was the last scripture I read? Acts chapter 17, 2 to 3. Okay. Now, let's look at verse 4 of that very quickly. Verse 4 of that very quickly. Acts 17, 4. And some of them were persuaded. That means they came to believe. And joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of leading women. Okay? So, they were persuaded. That means they understood the explanation. They got it. Okay. Now, let's look at what Peter has to say. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Let's look at First Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Pay very close attention. We're going to look at five things here. First Peter 1, 10 to 11. Therefore, brethren. So this Peter was the one that denied Jesus, walked to Jesus. Okay. So therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. Praise God. For... In this way, the entrance 
into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and save. Sorry, we didn't say computer. Why are you guys quiet? <laughs> you were finding it. You were finding the wrong. I was reading the wrong scripture. I was reading Second Peter chapter one. Sorry, First Peter chapter one. Is that why the screen went blank? And you people just kept quiet. Imagine we're live streaming now. Okay, all right. Okay, First Peter chapter one. It's First Peter. Sorry. Actually, I had First Peter in my notes, but my Bible flipped Second Peter. Verse 10, praise God. As to this salvation. Okay? Now, remember, um, Peter's first letter was written, uh, Peter's first letter was written when the, the, the saints were persecuted. So, it was written to the saints that were scattered. If you read First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, to those who reside as aliens. The word aliens there is strangers. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who were chosen. So, these were believers that were scattered because of the persecution. So, go to verse 10. So, it says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that will come to you, made careful searches and inquiries. Pay attention to this. Seeking to know what? What person or time that the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted what? The sufferings of Christ and what? The glories to follow. Did you see that Jesus used the same verse? So that means, remember all scriptures are God breathed, right? It means that within them they were moved and prophesied, and through that prophecy, they were making inquiry about what? The grace to come, that's number one. They prophesied about the grace that would come. Number two, they made careful search and inquiry. Number three, seeking to know the person or the time. The spirit of Christ within them was indicating, predicting what? The sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. What's the sufferings of Christ? The crucifixion. What's the glory to follow? The resurrection. So that means all the prophets, something within them longed for this time and this person, but they had no idea. So Isaiah had no idea who he was prophesying about. Jeremiah had no idea. Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Joel. Joel just says, in that day, a part of my spirit, you know, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He didn't know he was talking about Pentecost. But the spirit of Christ within him was prompting him, holy men of old, wrote as they were inspired, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So that means, the Holy Spirit, you know, people try to teach Trinity, and they teach it one way or the other, but I mean, it's, it's funny how they teach Trinity, but, you know, people teach Trinity, and they teach some kind of funny things, but, scripture says in the beginning, you know, God created the word, right? Created the heavens and the earth. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. Alright? <laughs> so the Holy Spirit has been there in the beginning. Jesus has been there in the beginning. God has been there in the beginning. So when he says, let us, Elohim, the plural for God, every one of them was pre-existence in the beginning. Okay? So, but what you have was three different manifestations of God. Alright? So manifested to the Jews as Yahweh God, manifested to, sorry, manifested to Israel, Egypt as Yahweh God, manifested to the Jews as Jesus, manifesting to us as the Holy Spirit. It's not three gods. It's one God. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is but one God. Alright? It's like me, for instance. I'm, I'm a son to Dr. David. Alright? I'm a husband to Pastor Mary. I'm a father to Brother Caris And Sister Zara. Am I three? 
Am I one? Yes. I have three manifestations. Three distinct personalities. Because to my father, I can cry. To Pastor Mary, I can be a comforter. To Brother Caris and Sister Zara, I can be the disciplinarian. Do you understand? That's Trinity. Alright, let's leave that. Alright, John 8, John 8, 56. You know, people like it when you pray in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's one name. John 8. The name of Maxwell, son to David. Name of Maxwell. Husband to Mary. Name of Maxwell. Father to Caris and Sarah. Amen. John chapter 8. And that is why, that is why, they always emphasized to the Jews. If you read the Old Testament, it was always emphasized to the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. They always emphasized it. Because that's why people now come up today and say the Holy Spirit reveals something to them that is contrary to the written word. Do you understand that? See, the Holy Spirit cannot reveal something that is contrary to the written word. The written word authenticates whatever revelation you get. Because though, what did Jesus say? He says, when the Spirit comes, he will do what? Guide you into all truths. He will not give you a separate truth from what I am giving you. He would rather lead you. And what did Jesus say about himself? I'm the way, the what? So if the Holy Spirit is guiding us into all truth, who is he guiding us into? Into Jesus, into Christ. So you cannot have a revelation that's not authenticated in the word. I don't care who, which dream you have. I don't care who appeared to you. The more sure word of prophecy is the written word. This is the framework of the more sure word of prophecy. Praise God. Alright. John 8.56 <laughs> Interesting. I like this story because this is where they almost killed Jesus. John 8. <laughs> Jesus is interesting. Ah, I like this story. It's a very good story. I don't need all of these stories, but I like to read it. Uh, verse 48. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They are talking to Jesus, your master. And my master. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. I'm imagining how that conversation is going to. They say, you have a demon. And you are a Samaritan. We know you. Jesus said, I don't have a demon. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. <laughs> Abraham died. And the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely, you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophet died. So whom do you make yourself ought to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing, but it, it's my father who glorifies me, of whom you say is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I'll be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. 
Look at what he said about Abraham. 56. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Hey! Look at what Jesus said about Abraham. That Abraham rejoiced to see his day. And Abraham saw it and was glad. So when did Abraham see that day? It was when the gospel was preached to him. When God told him, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That was when he saw the day of Christ. That promise was the day of salvation. It's because of that promise that you are seated here today. It's because of that promise that I'm preaching today. And Paul picks up that promise in Galatians chapter 3 verse 18. And clarifies it to us. That that promise was not to the seeds of Abraham. But to the seed talking about Christ. So when God spoke to Abraham. That in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The gospel was first preached to Abraham. That's why Abraham was the first man that believed. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham was not under law. He was under grace. He heard the gospel first. He believed first. And he was righteous. He was the first man to believe what God said. And righteousness was credited to his account. And he was called a friend of God. So Abraham saw the day of salvation. So when you say, and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Abraham first heard it. First saw it. First believed it. And he was glad he did. Can you see that? So when you say, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It's not saying you open orphanage and take care of people. It's a good idea, but it's the gospel. Come on, how many of you understand that? Because when we say, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What comes to your mind? The next Dangote. You open a cement factory and all your village people will be employed there. No, no, okay, Relax. Don't worry, you open cement factory. God will bless you with that. But what God had in mind when he was talking to Abraham, your cement factory was not there. He's talking about Christ. And Abraham rejoiced, not because of your cement factory. Abraham rejoiced that through his seed. And if I have time, I'm going to show you that when God preached that to Abraham, right? He, he gave that promise to Isaac. He gave that promise to Jacob. Then when he came to Jacob, he was specific about where that seed was going to come from. Because now, there were 11 children. Right? So who is going to bear the seed? Then in Genesis chapter 49, God zeroes that promises, that promissory, to Judah. And says, the scepter will not depart from Judah. What God was now trying to say there, was the fact that, if you are now zeroing on the Messiah, leave all other tribes. Focus on Judah. That's why Jesus had to come from that tribe. Are you following this? Everything about Jesus was predicted in the Old Testament. He's been born in Bethlehem. He's been laid in a manger. He's been taken to the cross. The tribe he will come from. The prophet had to, because everything had to be authenticated from the sacred writings. An interesting thing is that these people wrote at different times, prophesied at different periods, lived in different eras, but they all had one central theme, which, is, which makes the Bible inspired. 
Praise the name of the Lord. All right. Uh, how far can we go? Let's look at First Corinthians 15, 3 to 5. Let's see. First Corinthians 15, 3 to 5. Thank you, Lord. For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received. What did he receive? That Christ died for our sins according to what? According to what? The scriptures. Verse, the next verse. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to what? The scriptures. So everything Paul preached here, he referenced it according to what? According to the scriptures. Alright. Go to John chapter 3. Let's see Jesus. John chapter 3, Jesus was preaching to Nicodemus. Let's go to verse 13 to 15. Let's see how far we can go here. Ah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. So Jesus t- told, uh, remember, Nicodemus was a ruler of the synagogue, right? And he came to Jesus by night. All those people who no one to publicly associate with you, but they will learn from you in secret. Say, don't, they say, man of God, continue, we are following you. But he never followed in front. So he showed up by Jesus and said, by night, and said, so, Jesus told him, verse 12, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, pay attention. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He uses the phrase, the Son of Man. The Son of Man, that phrase was used a lot by Ezekiel. Alright? But he uses the phrase, the Son of Man. So, he talks about his ascension and descending. Then he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the son of man be lifted up. So he talks about his lifting up as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. So when the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, it was a type of Christ that would take the judgment if you look to him and live. Right? And that's why sometimes I've told you about that interpretation of scripture. When people say, if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. The, the, the interpretation of that scripture is that he draws all judgment unto himself, not all men. men. Man that is drawn to Jesus has to believe in him. It's not the lifting of Jesus that draws men. His lifting gives men the capacity to live and judgment is taken if they believe in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Alright. Okay. For God, so that whoever believes in him will do what? Will have eternal life. Alright. Let's do Acts chapter 8. Last. Acts chapter 8 verse 27. We'll continue from here next Wednesday. But go to Acts 8 27. So I'm, I'm just showing you a foundation of how all of this ties up to the Old Testament. Right? Acts 8 27. Uh, remember, Philip had this powerful revival, Right? So, verse 27. So, he got up. The angel told him to go meet the, meet the Ethiopian eunuch. So, he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. And he had to come to Jerusalem to worship. This was the economic advisor, the queen. But he had time to go to church. Traveled all the way. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot. And was reading the prophet Isaiah. I like this man. He was traveling and reading the word. He was reading Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? Can you see where explanation comes in? Right? Can you see where explanation comes in? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. So he was reading Isaiah chapter 53. We don't have the time now, but maybe we'll focus on that on Wednesday. But he was reading Isaiah chapter 53, but this is verse 7 of Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its sharer, it's silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. So when Isaiah was writing these, he was not just writing a good poem. He was talking about who? Jesus. The Messiah. So imagine you were reading this without this um, Ethiopian eunuch experience. Would you ever relate this to, to the Messiah? You even turn it to prayer point. Lord, my life will not be removed from this earth. I say my life will not be removed from this earth. And you know, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking about you. Yes, I will not suffer humiliation. I will not, you, know, you know that's how we do. We just open Old Testament. We just carry scripture. My life will not be removed. I will not be led to the slaughter. Pray. You will not be led to the slaughter. I will not be led to the slaughter. No, relax. <laughs> relax. Nobody's leading you to the slaughter. 34. <laughs> then Enoch answered. You <laughs> say Enoch. <laughs> then Enoch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Who is the prophet talking about? Of himself or someone else. So he was really, he didn't understand it. He says, Who is he talking about? Hey, please explain. Who is this sheep being taken to the slaughter? Who is this one who will not open his mouth? Who is this one whose life will be taken away from him? Who is this one who will suffer humiliation? Is he talking about Isaiah or is he talking about someone else? Now look at what, what, what the man did. Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Did you see that? Now, when he uses the word beginning from this scripture, it means that's not where he ended. He started from here with all other scriptures. Now, pay attention to this. We'll close here. He preached Jesus to this man. Look at the outcome of that. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That means all the time they were reading, what was happening? Come on, what was happening? Philip was explaining scriptures to him. It was the man that now said, "Uh -uh, Look at water now. What is it? I want to get baptized. Philip now said, If you believe. It was the man that now said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me tell you the truth. Eh? I know this might sound a bit controversial. But every time you read the scriptures, it wasn't the preachers who say, who want to be born again? As you are going tonight, trailer might jam you. You will not have opportunity. As you are going tonight, you might die. You will not close your eyes, everybody. I want to give you an opportunity. No, if you read all through the scriptures, when people have heard the gospel... And their hearts born within them. They now responded. What shall we do? That we might be saved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nothing against altar call. But I'm just showing you the pattern we find in the scriptures. Because after much explanation. And the burning of heart within people. Conviction is bettered. The gospel is accepted. You see your depravity and the need. For God to come in. And you'll open up to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why sometimes some of the most authentic conversions we ever had 
It wasn't even people maybe calling. It was just an awareness of the truth that had been preached over time. And somebody would just kneel on his bedside and say, God, I know sin again. See life take. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you, those people hardly go back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you will engrave this truth in our hearts. And Lord, you will cause the proclamation of the message of life and truth to go forth in all the nations of the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Are you blessed? Alright, so, on Sunday we'll continue with God and Mammon. And on Wednesday we continue with seeing Christ in the Old Testament Scriptures. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.